Stars and Cyrus, I welcome you to this episode of our show. And today I'm interviewing Rob Warner and he's sharing with me a strategy for generating massive amount of sales for your SaaS using partner promotions. If you don't know what partner promotions is, that's totally normal because this is not usual for this industry and this is why it's so freaking effective. Just listen to this quick 15 second intro to get a taste of it. I hope you're excited as much as I am. Let's get to the episode and learn how to leverage partial promotions for your SaaS business. This episode is sponsored by the SaaS Insiders Studio. We help SaaS founders build their minimum viable products, MVPs, launch quickly, find a product market fit, and grow from there. SaaS Insider Studio works with non-technical founders that are on the pre-seed or seed stage to help them execute on their product vision. To learn more, go to my LinkedIn profile that you can find in the description to this episode and shoot me a direct message there. All right, let's jump straight into today's episode. SaaS Insiders, welcome to this episode of our show. Today with me, I have Rob Warner. He is the founder of PPC Ad Lab. And today we're going to cover some of the growth strategies that he has experienced when growing this business. And in particular, how you can grow 20% month to month of your SaaS with your partner promotions. Now, that's a very specific thing. And I'm really glad we have Rob, Rob today on the show. It's good to be here, Vlad. Thank you for having me. Rob, can you give our audience maybe a two-minute introduction into who you are, what you're working on, what is your background, where you're coming from? Sure. So um, short version of that is 2012, I accidentally started a digital agency in that I just asked, I ran some Google ads for myself. I asked to take on some client work and I was absolutely, I was absolutely flat broke at the time. So I took on some client work and I then got hired by an agency to do um, like a profit share with them. So they became an agency client and what I call the white label client. They had the client relationship. I was the secret geek in the, in the background doing their PPC work for that. And I, as an introverted accountant, as I was at the time, that was quite a nice business model. So I built a white label agency. That was an international agency. We worked with hundreds of clients all over the world, made it right through the ranks of Google's partner relationships, right to something they call channel sales, which is their sort of top 1% of agencies worldwide. A team of about 35 people. And that was great. That grew really well. I mean, for context, one of our biggest months, if I recall, we onboarded 72 clients in a single month. Most agencies don't do 72 clients ever, let alone in a single month. We were doing like three a day, four a day. And that was a routine in our business. So we grew quite a size. Ultimately, we found ourselves in a position where the tools that I needed to run an agency at scale, particularly with regard to how we managed our Google Ads accounts, I couldn't buy the tools. There were just, I, I asked every vendor in the market and I couldn't buy tools that I needed 
to run my business the way I felt would be best for our clients and best for our profitability. So I started building last year. Uh, 2021, we started building our SaaS tools. We then had an offer to sell the agency. And so we sold our agency uh, almost a year ago now, last November, and went full-time as being full-time SaaS founders, effectively, December 2021. But if I'm honest, December was quiet. We chilled out a bit. We just sold an agency. Why wouldn't you? Uh, so we came back to work properly in January, growing and building SaaS. And that's, that's how we got here. Awesome. Awesome. Rob, you mentioned one thing about selling your previous business, your agency. That's, that's a question a lot of SaaS insiders are curious about because some of them are also running their agencies and they want to switch to SaaS. So selling their previous business might mm -hmm. be a good of a cash flow injection into SaaS. I'm wondering from your perspective, when people were offering you to acquire your business, what they valued most in it? Is it client relationships? Is it talent? Is it systems? What do you think are the most valuable assets that people buy in agency? That's really interesting, actually. When you're buying an agency, you're essentially buying relationships and methodology. And that's what you're buying, basically. We had a reputation. We were the leader in our space. We had a good reputation. We had a solid team and solid process and a solid client list. And, that, and the business was not dependent on me, on my business partner. So in that respect, we, know we could exit stage left and the business would carry on running without us, without a problem. And that ability to hand over, you can't do without systems and processes and management in place. And so that's what they were buying. Uh, it complemented the buyer. It complemented their business very well. So it was just a natural fit for them to take it on. From my perspective, one of the things I realized is, and I'm, I'm going to be totally honest, and quite what I'm about to say is going to sound very you know, financially motivated. And to a degree, it is. Running an agency, if you sell a small digital marketing agency or any kind of agency, really, you will typically get somewhere in the region of three times your annual profit as your exit valuation. If it's not, if it's only dependent, that might be two times. If it's really built out and scaled, that might be four times, but it's in that range. Once you get past 5 million a year profit, those numbers grow. But in that kind of lower end, up to 5 million profit a year, that's the kind of number you're looking at. Now, as you know, if you sell a SaaS, 5, 10, 15, 20 times revenue exits. So I'm, I'm looking at it, and I felt a bit like one of these circus performers. I don't know if you've seen them. The guys who stand there start astride two horses riding them. And I've got this really slow cart horse, which is my agency. And I've got this race horse, which is my sass. I thought, I can't ride these two horses at the same time. Now, which one am I going to pick for, personally, for my financial future, for the thing that engages and excites me the most? I've run my agency for nine years. A new, fresh challenge with a far bigger financial payoff was far more attractive to me. So, so we made the decision, sold the agency, moved into SaaS. Good. Thank you. Thank you for explaining that because I know a lot of people are really struggling to figure out how to make their agency more valuable. What are the multiples? And you shared that. So thank you. For no that. problem. The topic that we have today is some really exciting growth that happened to PPC Ad Labs. And I think what you shared with me before, before our interview is you were using partner promotions mm. as one of the primary ways to, to grow. For SaaS insiders that don't know this, what are the partner promotions and how they work specifically? Because so the way it is, it's, it's, it makes me smile. And I'm going to admit, I'm a bit of a SaaS idiot. I look in the SaaS groups, I see people going, 
I've spent six months doing client prospective client interviews. We're going to start and build an MVP. Then we're doing SEO and then we're doing some content. And I'm going, we didn't do any of that. We're literally none of that in our SaaS. We solved our own problem as cheaply as we possibly could and then showed it to the rest of the world and said, do you like this? Our strategy is very, very different. Most SaaS founders will laugh at how little we've actually done to grow our business to seven figures in under a year. A lot of it has relied on, as you rightly said, partner promotions. Let me tell you what they mean to me. Um, and it's different to what many people were thinking them about. So for us, in my partner promotions, my starting point is like most people, if you think of partner terms, it's okay, who's got a complimentary product or service with an audience that might like my product? Um, so that's your number one is, that's my kind of partner. Now for me, I have an extra criteria and that I'm only interested in partners who um, email their customer list regularly, who email their prospect list regularly, who run webinars, training, and those kind of things for their customers. If they don't do that, then a website listing or a directory listing or a blog article is useful, but it's not valuable enough. So in my world, when I've got those kind of people, what we will typically do is we will do a seven-day promotion. And during that seven days, they will email their list. That email list will include an invite to a webinar. We will then co-host that webinar with them and make a special offer to their audience on that webinar. And that, what that offer will be an offer you cannot buy on our website regularly. We'll then present a replay for three or four days and then the offer goes away. And our partner will be emailing the details of the offer. You'll see it often in other areas of business. You'll see it in digital marketing. You'll see it in information marketing. You don't often see it in SaaS. Now, we've done information marketing before, so we know the routine. And we've taken that, taken it to a SaaS world, and it works like gangbusters. You know what I like about this? And I think SaaS insiders need to pick it up. I talked about this before, but there are two ways you can look at things. You can look in a tunnel vision, which is I'm doing what the, in my industry is doing. So if, if SaaS is doing SEO, I'll be doing SEO. If it's doing that, I'm doing that, right? I'm not looking into other things because my business is different. What you did is you did the channel vision. Is what are the other industries doing that is successful? What are the methods of acquiring customers? And let me apply it to my industry that no one else done, done before it in this Completely. You, for context. If I start doing, you know, all right, what are my other options as a SaaS founder bootstrapping this? Uh, number one, I can go and do an AppSumo launch and let them take 70% of the money, get a bunch of lifetime customers who don't want to upgrade, don't want to pay money, ask a ton of stupid questions. It's like, screw that. There is no way in this earth I am running an AppSumo and devaluing my product completely. Number two, I could start doing some content and outreach. Uh, so some content and SEO. And great, and I'll wait for six months while I'm burning money in my bank account for something to happen. And it may or may not happen. I might not have product market. I don't know. I could do some email outreach and one at a time acquire a customer. Okay, great. That's really labor intensive. If we run a partner promotion, in sometimes we can bring in several hundred new paid users in a seven-day period. We've brought in over 100 new users a minimum price point of $97 a month, more often $197 a month in seven days with one presentation that lasted 90 minutes. 
Now, I don't know other ch any other channel that can get me that much user feedback because they're asking questions live on the webinar, that much velocity and exposure, and that much new cash and revenue in seven days. And that's why we do it. It allows us to accelerate everything else that we do. The reason I love this approach is first you borrow someone else's audience. So you don't necessarily have to create, you have eyeballs, so hundreds of thousands of people who are watching and you're, and you're borrowing trust, meaning the people who are there already working with saying like, hey, look at this. So it's more like a referral, like an introduction. So it, 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 it breaks some of the objections. This is exactly, exactly. A, a good, you've hit on one of the things that can make or break the promotion. A good host who gives you a good introduction transfers their trust to you well, who joins in in the Q&A, who engages and who endorses, that can be the difference between a great promotion and a hit promotion. Now, Rob, a lot of times, I mean, a lot of SaaS and will be wondering, like that's the, really the first time I'm hearing the strategy, I want to learn more. I'm wondering from your experience, do you see a lot of SaaS founders doing that? And do you think this, this strategy is underrated? Because to me, it sounds like it is, because I haven't heard about it a lot of times. You might not like what I'm about to say, and I apologize for that. I'm new to SaaS. I don't have the SaaS thing of content, SEO, and all that. So I don't have that background where that's how I generate customers. I strongly believe in making offers. So I like to go out, get to the outside world and go, here's the thing. Do you like it? And will you buy it? I never go and ask, could I do a customer interview, please? And you tell me under what circumstances and at what theoretical price you might buy that. We ain't doing that. It's too slow. Uh, we like to get a real product, however bad. I mean, we, we, descri we describe our first launch version that people paid $197 a month for as a BVP, a barely viable product. What it had, though, it had a set of unique features that nobody else in our space had. And those unique features, made the difference because people went, people could see, we can see this is rough, we can see it's crude, but I can't get that anywhere else. So we trust you enough to develop it over time and we'll take a chance on it. And, it, and people did, and we have those subscribers to this day. So it's definitely underrated, but it, it requires, for many SaaS founders, you will have to step massively out of your comfort zone to execute this strategy because it will feel very, very alien. Oh, because you need to be a salesperson, you need to be confident in what you're doing in your offer. So I think someone from with a background like you, who is just used to making offers all the time, for you it's it's natural. But I think a lot of SaaS founders they come either from technical background, which is the worst probably for this kind of situation. Oh, definitely. Or maybe just a little bit from more like a corporate, like a management roles. So exactly. It's, it's a difficult thing to do. We've seen some good friends of ours are doing are launching a paid version of their product right now. And there's a there are times I see how they're executed. I could cry, thinking, you're you are leaving so much money on the table here. If we give you some advice, we could double or triple your subscriber base for the same thing that you're already doing. And I think one of the things with this strategy that matters um and it's really really important we don't directly sell the software as such what we will always do and i think i see this far too often in SaaS. SaaS founders rightly are very proud of their product 
they're very pleased with their product and very keen to show off all its features and how it's got features that somebody else hasn't got. We never directly sell features. What we will always do is go, this is a business problem. This is a business opportunity. Here is the business problem that needs solving. Let us explain the use case for why this is a business problem, how you can solve it profitably, and why that matters to you. And then the, then the kind of after that, it's a, and by the way, we have software that automates the whole process. So the software is only ever an enabler to solve a real world business problem or a business opportunity that people can see. Because if they get the, if they understand the business case and there's a, and there's a tool to enable it to happen, your, your sale is done. You never have to convince them of the value of a feature, if that makes sense. See, SaaS insiders, I'm not the one, I'm not the only one talking about this. <laughs> because Rob, when I work with founders, a lot of times they start explaining me, my product will be doing this. I'm like, no, 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 no. What's the target audience that has a problem? What specifically is the problem? And how are we going to solve it with their product? So the product mm -hmm. is when we have all of this, when we have people and what we're going to help them with. Yeah. And I think the brilliance of your approach is you position yourself as an authority when you explain and articulate the problem. And I think that even opens up more opportunities for client ascension in a way upselling them the high ticket, maybe on some kind of consulting services, coaching, or just overall making sure that when you make some, something next in the same industry that you'll be automatically positioned as an authority because you already articulate this. this we have two SaaS platforms currently. Our, our second SaaS platform, you cannot buy publicly. The only people who can buy it are people who've bought our primary SaaS. Um, and we waitlist people for it. In every presentation that we give, because um, we do like weekly training for our customers, every time we will remind people this product exists and to get on the waiting list. And each month we open a few slots. Up. Not every month, but you know when we open slots up for it, which is less frequently, it's a higher price product. It's an annual license only, but we already have a well under, an audience who understand as well, who know what the product does, know the product values, and are keen to get hold of it. So it's that that whole position transfers very very nicely. I see a lot of uh, really deep SaaS, uh, sales experience in the past about creating creating urgency, creating scarcity with mm -hmm. it's only limited to our people. So I know there's a lot of things SaaS founders will need to learn to apply all of this we're talking about. The question would be, let's say I'm a SaaS founder. I'm looking to grow my SaaS business now. I will be catching up with all the sales mastery and fluency. But if I want to start getting those partner promotions, right? I need some communication skills, but what kind of approach do you think I, I can take as a SaaS founder to start reaching out to those to, to other other services and try to partner with them? What I do think, think the strategy would be? I think the, the, the first thing is go to your network. Go to the people you know. I don't believe that on the whole SaaS founders build in a vacuum where they don't know anybody in their industry. They haven't got any connections at all. You know, to be able to build a SaaS, you need to understand enough about the market that you're building for that you've probably got the pain points already. You probably are, you know, your own target user in some ways. So you'll know the industry and so you'll know who the people are that you need to talk to. Build some relationships if you haven't got them already. Here's what we do. I'll, I'll, I'll break this out for you because I'll give you step by step what we do. So step number one, whenever we prepare a sales presentation webinar where we're going to make a scarcity based offer or a time limited offer, we run it to our own email list first. We will prove that our own warm prospects want to buy this product at this price on this offer. 
then, and we cat and we store all the statistics for that. How many people signed up for the webinar? How many people showed up for the webinar? How many people bought on the webinar? How many bought in the follow-up sequence before we closed it out? What the price point was? So that we've got a really good, compelling story as to what somebody else might expect if they were to run it to their audience. We can then take that data and go, hey, look, we're in the same space. You know, we've got a great product. How about we'll promote your product to our audience? And it, recipro reciprocity is a great thing. You promote ours to yours. Quite often the way we've done these, is we've literally done it so that the same day, we're sending an email out for our partner to get them to come to our, so they can present their product to our audience. We'll, they'll be sending out emails for our webinar and we'll do one at 12 o'clock and one at two o'clock on the same day. So we're both growing our businesses at the same time through a week of seven days of focused effort. And that focused effort looks like a 90 minute webinar and 10 emails. It's, it's not complicated and a replay page. To encourage people, we make it very financially attractive for our partners. We want them to be excited to promote us. We want them to be keen to promote us. We want them to walk away with a nice additional payday that they wouldn't have otherwise had in their business that's free money that helps them grow what everything else that they're doing. And all it's taken them is, you know, a week of email. One thing I want all SaaS founders to pick up here, really important, is when you come to a potential partner, you show them some data based on your own audience. Because the, the, the question in, in, in the minds of SaaS insiders is how do we make it compelling, right? How do we come to someone and say like, Here's the offer that we truly believe your audience will buy. The question will be like, yeah, why do you think so, right? Because here's what we tested in our offer. So if we apply it to yours, which means like 10,000 people, conversion rate, and this is kind of the thing you'll be getting out of it. Right? And the minute you've got part proof from partner number one, take that proof from partner number one and their data and use that to go get partners two, three, four, and five. And each time, review your webinar, look at what you could have presented better. We, we provide our partners with emails they can send, templates they can use. We, we make it really easy for them to say yes. And I say we make it financially rewarding. Let, let me ask a question then. If I was to say to you, let's, let's hypothetically say we've got a $100 a month product. You know, you wanted, me, you wanted me to partner. Let's say you got a $100 product and you wanted me to be your partner and promote it. What commission would you give me for a $100 recurring product? What percentage? I think it will, it will really depend probably on the profit margin, right? In your sure. business, or it is. Yeah. Well, so let's, like, let's say it's a SaaS. Let's say you're 80% profit. I would be sharing half of, of the of the profit, probably. Good. Make it equal. So, so half of the profit, so you're saying about 40% margin, 40% commission, something like that. If it's 80% profit, 40%, 40% of the sales price goes to the partner. Yep. You keep 60%, you cover the expenses. Yep. For context, we have gone as high for a high volume partner as 100% of the first month, plus recurring. Now think about it. If you're a partner with a good list of people and a good active audience, is it worth running a promotion where you might make 20 sales and you make a couple of thousand? No, most, most people aren't that bothered. I can make 20 sales and make 100% commissions. Like, okay, now that's a lot more interesting and lifetime recurring. So we heavily incentivize people to do it, but Partners tend to be focused on upfront cash. So we make it attractive as possible in month one. And then our, we view our job is, 
Well, I'd have spent that on Facebook ads. I'd have spent that on Google ads. I'd have spent that on SEO anyway, with no guarantee of return. Now I only, and this is the big difference. Yeah. A Facebook ad spend, a Google ad spend, or an SEO spend has no guarantee of return or timeline. A partner spend guarantees that you only spend when you make a sale. So your risk is zero. Your only job then is to make sure that you don't churn people out in month one. And if you do churn everybody out in month one, you perhaps need to look at your product. One thing I really like that you mentioned is you take off the heavy lifting in terms of sales. So you're not asking them like, hey, sell my product to your audience. No, I will come, I will present. Here are the templates you can send. All you need to do is just to say, yes, I'll take care of the heavy lifting. So mm-hmm. you're just, I'm just borrowing your relational capital and, I, and I'm closing the sale for you. It's not like, okay, you're my partner, you'll be closing. Here's my product, yeah. right? This is what I like because a lot of times people don't realize that basically when we, when we ask someone to close a sale for us, to close for our product, it's almost like commission-based sales force, untrained yeah. sales force on our product, right? We're, we're asking them to close on us. And this is why it's, sometimes it's really hard. And, that, and that's, that's one of the reasons we like these short-term promotions. Don't get me wrong. We've done partnerships where we have long-term relationships. You know, we've worked with trainers where our product is embedded in their training program. So anybody who's learning their methods needs our tool to, to fulfill their methods. So they're great. And they're kind of like a drip, drip, drip of new business in. But what gets really interesting is when you do these seven-day things, it's it's distraction-free. Everybody gets to focus on their core business the rest of the time. So we know how we're all focused on our own businesses, and rightly so. Where in a seven-day window, you can have enough time and attention to make it happen. You have a recurring income on the back of it. And if you do it right, this is my personal opinion, our webinars are designed to be informative, they're designed to be educational, they're designed to be entertaining. So whether you become a buyer or not, you have learned something and you have benefited by being there. And so as a partner, nobody can leave feeling like their, you know, their reputation has been damaged because they've come on and they had this big, you know, timeshare style sales pitch. You're not going to get that. They're going to get education, entertainment and a sales presentation and they can choose to buy or not either way they leave with value um and i think that's a really important thing so that you're enhancing your partner's reputation rather than you know spoiling it and the other thing is you can repeat this if a part if you and a partner get on well your product will change over a few months your product will improve you will find new business cases where you can be a compelling solution and they will have new customers who haven't seen your presentation so don't treat it as a one and done go okay You've just made some money on that. Your audience loved it. Let's schedule the next one in for five, six months time and we'll do it again. And because you've got new people and not everybody will show up and not everybody will see it. So let's do it again. One of the things I really like about the strategy of partner promotions is essentially you close a referent that basically helps you close everyone else. So instead of trying to close every individual user, it's $100 bucks per month. Instead of closing one person, who has access to all of those people, to all of the buyers. So basically, like you, you can refund your presentation once, the dial-in, so it just, it just, it just clicks, right, for, for the users. And then you just go to, to partners and you just do the same thing. And I think like the more, the more the same it is, the better, because it means like it's optimized, right? Yeah, you learn, you get better at your presentation with every time you repeat it. You learn which bits people don't understand. You review the questions afterwards and you see where the sticky points were or where, or where people dropped off. 
and you get better at it. You think about, I mean, let, let's, let's say you go and you run a webinar and you make 50 sales on that webinar. How many product demos have you got to sit through? How many appointments have you got to book to make 50 sales of your SaaS? If, you're, if, you, do a, if you do a sales call type thing where people can book an appointment, it's so time efficient compared yeah. to a one-to-one sales process and onboarding, which we haven't even talked about the time efficiency of it. It's really, really lean. Well, I think when it comes to selling like extremely huge B2B SaaS solutions, which can be ranging like in thousand dollars, thousands of dollars per month, right? This might require some more dancing with the with the pl- prospect, with the client who will be buying. But when it comes like to business to consumer or small micro B2B, is your product considered B2C or is more like- Ours is B2B, B2B, but it's low ticket B2B. Our, our prices start at under $100 and they max out at a couple of thousand dollars a month. So our price range is very suitable for somebody who you don't have to make a big decision to get to tr- take a trial or take a, take a month subscription. It's a very simple thing to do. So in that respect, it suits our audience. If we were selling $10,000 a month or a massive annual contract, the model might not necessarily work in terms of cash flow immediately, but the structure still does. Because there will be, you know, those people, if you're buying a $10,000 a month SaaS, the chances are you're spending money on other similar related things and there will be audiences there. You might not have a buy button on your webinar, but you'll probably have a book a call button that will work just as well. And think of it in terms of lead generation, not just making sales. So that for those of people who have got high ticket SaaS, and well done to you guys, I couldn't tolerate selling to corporate, so I sell at a lower price point. But it's a, it's the same mechanism. I want to ask you this: if if I'm a SaaS insider and I make just one takeaway out of this conversation, what would be the biggest lesson, the biggest realization you would like SaaS insiders to have to to get their business to the next level? With I think for me, the realization is you don't have to just sit waiting for inbound stuff to come to you, either through paid or through organic or through email outreach, you can take control, decide to generate your own lead flow and do it in a really time efficient way, just by reaching out to the right partners, giving them the right motivation incentive to work with you and make it a priority. Often the biggest problem with partner relationships is making it a priority and for them to do it in their business. The way we approach it makes it an easy thing to say yes to. It's still effort. One of our webinars we did recently, We've been working on getting that partner for nine months. It didn't just happen overnight, but it was very successful. Some of them will happen in a heartbeat. Some of them won't. And that's okay. Um, You don't need one every day, but be brave enough, get out there and do it and make it really compelling. Rob, from with your background and with your experience, when you approach making those offers, structuring them, it comes somewhat natural to you. If I'm a SaaS founder and I want to learn those skills, strategies, some of the mechanisms internally and externally what kind of resources would you recommend for the sasanders to learn maybe books maybe masterminds inspirational speakers things where i can look into to to to, to shorten my learning curve so i think the key thing is look at um people in the digital marketing space they do a lot of this stuff you know people who run webinars on a regular basis so if you look at um for example the thing people like go to digitalmarketer.com digitalmarketer.com, sign up for their email newsletter. They'll spam you to death. But you'll see the structure of how they produce their content and how they run their promotions because they're always running a promotional cycle. 
and you might not necessarily like it. And I think for a SaaS founder, particularly if you're technical, it will feel on, you'll read the emails and you go, that's a bit, you know, I don't want to say that. I don't want to say the offer closes tonight, but I'm telling you, if you run a seven day promotion and you remind people with two or three emails that the offer is closing tonight, 30 to 40% of your sales will come on the last afternoon and evening. It sounds mad, but that's how people behave. You almost have to kind of take a deep breath, read the emails, get comfortable being uncomfortable with them and make your own version of them. And don't be afraid. We saw it happen so many times because we have some tracking also installed in our products where people open this offer immediately for the first email, but they buy on the last one, which is just a couple hours before it ends. And they're like, oh yeah, I got to buy this now. We always get they... people the day after a promotion saying, I missed the deadline. Can I have it please? Always. And if you're feeling nice, you say yes. And if you're, if you're not or they're rude, you say no. One thing I want to clarify for Sass Insiders, what you said as well is when we're looking through those marketing emails, we need uh, to put our marketer's hat almost and see how they structure this, what mm-hmm. they do to, to convince you to go there and to take action. What are the things that we can take for us, right? They might be selling a digital course, a coaching program. It doesn't matter. The, the idea is the hooks, the scarcity, what are the triggers, the yeah. emotional triggers that just, that just exactly. force you to do it subconsciously. A great, it's a great hook makes a massive difference. If you, so whatever thing you sell, it has to have a great hook. Make it a great hook. Make it scarce. Make it urgent. Make it super valuable. Our webinar offer has, is a better offer at 197 than they can buy on our website for 397 so when they see that, the contrast is so obvious. It's like, well, I'd be stupid not to get that one. And yes, you would be. It's almost like you can put the price on your site almost like a decoy. Like you're not actually expecting them to buy from your site. You're expecting to buy from partners in the first place, right? It's almost like that's a thing. It's really fun. One thing we did is we wanted to charge 500 bucks per month for a, for a high-level SaaS, but we put it like a thousand crossed 500. Yeah. Not because, of course, it's a price contrast, but because when we want to increase the price, it doesn't feel like we actually increased it. It's more like we just removed the discount. Remove the discount. <laughs> exactly. And you've got to be good about it. I mean, you've got to feel that the price that's on your website, you are prepared to stand by. It's a fair price. It's a good price for your products. And if somebody buys at your website price, they're getting fantastic value. I never want anybody to come to my website and go, I bought at that price. And it, was a, it was a bit much. I still want them to feel they've got an amazing deal. And I believe we do. If somebody buys on our webinar, then they know they've just got a stupid good deal on enterprise-grade software at consumer pricing. It moves the decision inertia. It gets people off the fence and gets them taking a choice. So yeah, get on digital marketers list. Um, and there's a bunch of similar people like that. that you can just jump on their email list. You'll see the way that promotions are structured and work. Jump on the ppcadlab.com email list. That's our email list. You'll get our promotions um, and you'll see how we do it in first hand. And I say that, I mean, that's kind of like lift, you know, lifting the, the skirt kind of thing and showing everything we've got underneath. It's That's as transparent as it can get when we try to be transparent and tell the truth. Rob, I know PPC Ad Lab is not it's only like one year young, basically, right? Or a bit over a year. But still, you probably had some learning experience throughout this. So what, what are the things that were had misconceptions about this, the, the, how it's run, the model itself? If you were to, be, to travel back in time, just at, at least one year ago, and just tell yourself one small piece of advice 
like what what are the things you would you would avoid maybe or what things you would do sooner than later so i think i've got a couple for you really stupid simple one first okay. don't forget to check your server bill on our first month of launch 50% of our revenue went on our server bill because we had a design issue that only became apparent when we launched. So a stupid thing, don't do that because I couldn't launch again for another two months while we re-engineered. So really, really simple thing. I think the second thing, which was brought into stark contrast this week for me, was our product has two user groups currently. agency, Digital marketing agency owners who are using it for a sales use case. They use it to find prospects, to get data about prospects and to outreach to them with some very good personalized information. We also have PPC account managers who can use it to get results for their Google Ads account. And what we've learned over the first year is the PPC account managers are more conservative in their decision-making, they're more difficult to reach. And as a PPC nerd myself, I desperately want these people to buy my products. I know we had a ton of value to them. On the other hand, agency owners are easy to reach, like the thing that we built that's very, very shiny, is very engaging and very, you know, instant gratification for agency owners. For me, my head wants to build features for PPC managers. I want to support them and love and nurture them. And I find myself having to build features for agency owners, which, I mean, don't get me wrong, they've I love them dearly. They've paid my bills for the past 10 years. I was at an event earlier in the week and so I was explaining this problem to the host. And he said, so what you're saying, Rob, basically is a problem is people have seen this thing and it's like crack cocaine to them and they buy, 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 buy. And you're going, yeah, but I don't want you to buy it. I want you to buy my fountain of youth that's over there. And they're going, I don't want that. I want your crack cocaine. And you're upset that they're buying your crack cocaine and not that your fountain of youth. Get out of your own way. Get your ego out of the way and stop trying to determine what the use cases are for your users. If your users have found a way to use your product that is not what you expected, then that's your problem, not theirs. Build what they want to buy. And it's absolutely right. We've got to get out of our own way and get out of our own preconceptions sometimes of what we think our product is best for and who it's best for. The market will decide that. It was beautiful said because a lot of times, and I was, I was guilty of this myself, when we look at the product and we're thinking like we're the smartest because we built this, we know how it should work for our users, right? Because we had the same problem, same background, but sometimes we realize our customers are not us in a way that they might come from a different background, actually have a different set of problems. The solution works for us and for them. It's just, it's just we need to really let go of the ego. Yeah. And just you, it's, it's get your ego out of the way and, and just be grateful for that they're paying you and they like your product and they want your product and say thank you and be gracious and get on loving and engaging and supporting them. Ego is not our amigo, is, is, what, is, is what it is. I couldn't agree more. What do you think what would be the best places, links, handles for people to learn more about you, what you're doing at PPC Ad Lab, potentially look into your offers as well, maybe a partner with you? What are the best resources to learn about you and get in touch? So if you go to our website, ppcadlab.com, You'll find our live chat on there. And if anybody says they're from this podcast, say, I'm Sass Insider. Can I reach Rob? You can reach me through there. That's a great way to reach me. Um, it's staffed seven days a week. So you'll always get an answer. And I'd love to talk to anybody from this podcast and see what, see, share, share war, war stories and wounds, I think. Thank you so much. So the chat on your main website. Uh, it's PPC the best place to go. PPCAdlab.com. Hit the chat. You'll, you'll reach me. 
Um, what I will also do, if you're sending out some show notes, I'll create a coupon code for your listeners as well to give them a nice little discount. How do you think we should wrap up the conversation? What kind of conclusions would you like to make out of this so that people who are listening can get the most value and can potentially take action on, uh, on the PPC Ad Lab or just creating partner relationships? This, this podcast is about partnerships and relationships. So I would encourage everybody on this to start, you know, take some small steps, think about who your ideal partners would be, do some filtering, sign up on people's websites who could be partners and see who sends you emails and who don't. Your partners will self-select to some degree by their behavior. If they're not sending you emails, they're no use. You know, find out who's doing that. Start building relationships. Start adding value in their community, contributing in their community. And you can grow these relationships really quickly. We've met a brilliant partner only a month ago in Austin, um, and we're out there for an event, and we're running a promotion with them next month. And it should be a really big one, and both parties should win really well. So be prepared and be open. And the biggest thing is have it in your head as a thing you can think about. Be open to it. Look out for compensation opportunities. When you meet people, go, I think we could do something together. We could make some money. We could help some people. Have it in your mind. Be aware of it. And don't just default back to, let's create some more content or some, run some more ads. Rob Warner, everyone. Rob, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolute pleasure, Vlad. Thank you very much. Sass Insiders, we'll see you in the other episode.